Welcome in. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com. I'm your host, Chad Brindle, joined today by David Simone, also of BearcatJournal.com. We uh, we have a lot to talk about. As I was uh, driving home from spring football practice this afternoon, had stopped at, uh, at uh, one of my favorite spots to get some food. I was looking forward to coming home and having a nice lunch. And Mick Cronin accepted the job at UCLA. And Cincinnati is now looking for a basketball coach. So here we are. Hi, Dave. Hi, Chad. I hope uh, hope you've had an enjoyable April 9th. You know, nothing too big going on right now. Yeah, I have not. I have not had an enjoyable April 9th, mainly because I haven't eaten all day. And, um... My wife just brought home my dinner 30 seconds before this podcast started. So now I have my food in front of me, and I can't eat it. Well, you so, can eat it. Yeah, well. I'm sure our, 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 loyal, our loyal listeners won't, won't mind some, some bites here and there. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a very interesting day. I mean, we do have a lot to talk about. I imagine we'll get into kind of as much as we can when it comes to how we got here, um, you know, how did we get to this point? You know, what this means going forward for the program as a whole. And then I'm sure we can kind of dive into, you know, what everybody will want to know is what our thoughts are about, you know, realistic candidates and time frame and, and pluses and minuses and things like that. I mean, first off, Hold on. First, you know, I, first off, this coaching change is brought to you by TracePountas.com. They sell <laughs> freshly roasted gourmet coffee shipped directly to you. The coffee beans are roasted to order your order and shipped out immediately. Every bag of beans has the roast date clearly printed on it. So you know your coffee, just like your coaching search, is fresh. You can find out about Trace Pountas coffee in, two, uh, in this easy way. You go to www.tracepontas.com slash coffee. That's T-R-E-S-P-O-N-T-A-S dot com slash coffee. All orders are roasted, fresh, and shipped out immediately. 12-ounce bags and whole bean and ground coffee. You can choose between light, medium, dark, and French roasts. And what you want to do is you go to the Trace Pountas website. You sign up for a coffee subscription, and you get freshly roasted beans sent to you every one, two, or four weeks. It's your choice. When you sign up for a coffee subscription, you enter Bearcats at checkout, and that will get you 20% off every bag of coffee in your subscription with this code. So once again, www.tracepontas.com, T-R-E-S-P-O-N-T-A-S dot com slash coffee. Enter Bearcats at checkout. Get 20%. And uh, Dave, today was not a coffee day. I have not needed any coffee uh, my phone, no. my phone has no. not stopped ringing. I had to uh, put the finishing touches on the coaching hot board. Always got to have those. Yeah, it's like they they talk about the AD has got the uh, the list ready in his desk, ready to activate. Right. Um, you and I have been bantering on the uh, the hot board uh, for a couple weeks now since all of this stuff started, and uh, we got that fired up today. Um, that is generating lots of conversation on the message board. If you're not a member, you should join BearcatJournal.com. Right now, you get the first month for $1, and it's going to be a fun month. I think this month is going to be worth a dollar, Dave. 
So, like, $3 less than the budget to hire the new coach. <laughs> You're in rare form tonight, too, aren't you? I'm ready to roll. All right, well, take it away. So, you know, you and I have talked about this, you know, since it's kind of became a possibility, but I don't know if it was just kind of one of those weird situations where we kind of definitely thought it could happen, but are still surprised that Mick is leaving, has left. Um, UCLA, you know, I know there's a lot of debate about what type of job it is anymore. You know, is it a top five job? Is it a top 20 job? I don't, I don't know. All I know is that they got a whole lot of banners. They're in the Pac-12, which is a very winnable conference right now. They recruited very well with Steve Alford as their coach while not making the NCAA tournament. Um, so it still has several draws. There's still plenty that, of juice in the it, UCLA job. Of course there is. So, you know, the longer this kind of went on, I was convinced, I've been convinced, whether it's just my opinion or stuff that I've heard, that for about the last week or so, that if he got the an actual offer from UCLA, he was going to take it. Um, regardless of what, I mean, I shouldn't say totally regardless, but regardless of what UCL or UC may be countered with, um, they obviously weren't going to come up to a $4 million a year salary, but I don't think they had to in all honesty. I think there was some give and take available there, whether it was in dollars, whether it was in years, you know, you can get creative. It's not necessarily, you know, I want this dollar amount for this many years and it's cut and dry and that's it. You know, that's what negotiations are for. And, you know, much of what I'm going to talk about on this podcast is just personal opinion, but some of it is not. Some of it I do think is based in some form of reality. And, and I just don't think that for whatever reason, uh, and there could be plenty of them, that UC was ever going to get to the point that he would be willing to stay at. Um, you know, we've talked about, I know it's been mentioned on the board quite a bit, that, you know, kind of that top 30 level coaching salary, which is in the 2.7 to 2.8 range, which would be roughly $500,000 a year raised from what he was making under his current contract. I feel like that's probably in line with what he was asking. He wasn't asking for $3 million, $3.5, you know, $15 million buyouts, at least to my knowledge. And I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's ever been the case. Whether it's been other schools coming at him or the one instance where he did entertain with UNLV, I don't think he's ever been someone to ask for something outlandish and almost, you know, hold it over their head or threaten and say, if you don't do this, I'm going to leave. Um, but when another opportunity 
that is attractive finally presented itself, I don't get the sense that UC was willing to get to the point to where it became a hard decision for him. I think he was, over this past week or so, he had made up his mind that if he got that offer, he was going because they had plenty of time to come to him and say, we want you to stay here. We want you to feel secure. We want to give you the security of a six, seven year, eight year contract, not something that man, there's like a 10 or 12 year extension, but like, we want you to be here for the long haul. And, and I just don't feel like that was ever presented because it just happened so fast. And, you know, Rick Barnes says no late last night. And by 1230 today, UCLA's putting out a press release, not just like a, six-hour window of the Jeff Goodmans and Seth Davises and John Rothstein saying we're hearing or Mick Cronin's going to be the coach at UCLA. It's an actual press release from UCLA, which tells me that he had kind of already decided what was going on. Yeah, I mean, that it all happened insanely fast. Literally, I got a call. I was about seven minutes from my front door when the first Jeff Goodman tweet hit. And by the time I got up to my office and got situated, UCLA was putting stuff out. Like, that's that's things happening very rapidly. Um, I've talked to some people that were around the athletic department today, and it was a scramble uh, from what I heard as things were breaking. So, you know. I, I think you're on point with some stuff. I, I I think what it comes down to is the two sides just couldn't find a middle. Um, I don't know if that's and reasonable I, or I not. I, I just I don't think it's, – it's clear to me they couldn't find a middle ground to continue, you know, what's going on, to continue the relationship. And Mick finally had an offer for a blue blood program. Say UCLA is still a blue blood program. Yes, they've made two bad Absolutely. hires. They've made two Absolutely bad hires. Absolutely they are. But that, that happens. So the Blue Blood program well, Chad, be- became something he couldn't walk away from this time. I listened to Gary Parrish this afternoon because I noticed he tweeted something. He was going to talk championship game. He was going to talk about Mick to UCLA. He was going to talk about what's next for UC. So I quickly got it on my phone. He made a great point when he was talking about kind of like what's next for UC. He was like, if Kentucky can have a miss and North Carolina can have a miss and you just mentioned that UCLA can have a miss, well, then, of course, UC can have a miss. And it doesn't matter if you're a blue blood or not. You You can make the wrong hire. And you just hope that it doesn't. It's not a program altering one. And at blue bloods, it's less likely to be that way because you know, Billy Gillespie was a bad hire at Kentucky, but it's still Kentucky. So their pool of candidates to fix Billy Gillespie's mess is still really attractive. And UCLA's candidates to fix whatever mess Steve Alford made is still pretty attractive because it's still UCLA. So, you know, I you know, and I'm not looking to blame Nick, I'm not looking to blame the UC administration. Sometimes you do business deals and both sides are just like, you know what? 
we're just too far apart. This isn't going to work. And if one of them has an opportunity to go somewhere else, then they go somewhere else. That's not really my concern at this point. Like that's, yes, it's fresh, but that's still, that's now in the past. Like we're still all going to be UC fans. We might, some of us might say good riddance to mix. Some of us might be like, I hope he does really well at UCLA, you know, with some of the benefits that he's going to have there that he didn't have here. But we're still UC fans, so it's like, okay, what does this now mean for the program? What does this now mean going forward? And I think that's where my bigger concern is because, you know, there's been some chatter about, like, well, you know, my bone did such a great job hiring Luke Fickle and the women's basketball coach. And while, and that is very, very accurate. And I will not disagree with that at all. But those two situations and this situation to me are polar opposites. You are replacing a coach who told people, told paying customers to go to hell and get a job. <laughs> now he's running and for was playing in front, Right. And it was playing in front of about 8,000 people on a cold November night at home against Memphis. And on the other hand, you're replacing you're replacing a women's basketball program that I couldn't tell you the last time was even relevant, let alone made the like NCAA tournament or something. So there were no expectations with those hires. Right. You you had you people were excited because when you hire someone new, that's replacing someone that's fired, you're you're automatically excited because hell yeah. We got Luke Fickle, or we got Michelle Clark Hurd, and they've been successful, and we're going to be better. Now, you're replacing someone who has faults. You know, you and I have talked about it. I've talked about it. He's, there's no perfect person. He was not a perfect coach. But you're replacing someone who left on their own that was here 13 years, nine straight of those at the back end went to the tournament, had good players from a character standpoint, an academic standpoint. There were virtually no issues in, on that regard. And people might say, well, that stuff doesn't matter. I'll tell you when it matters. It matters when you got a bunch of crap heads. Then people start noticing. Like, until then, yeah, that's just like a cherry on the top. But that does matter. It matters to people that aren't diehard basketball fans either, that are supporters of the basketball program or supporters of the university. You had 25 win plus season, almost on the regular. You were in contention or winning the league since you've been in the AAC every year. You've been in the past two conference tournament, well, actually three conference tournament championships and won two of them. And you've been to the NCAA tournament nine years in a row. So that is to me the baseline of what is to be expected by whoever comes in to replace McCronin. Now, of course, there'll be ups and there could be ups and downs, but like no one's going, yes, look, Nick left. So now we're going to bring in someone who's going to go to the tournament half the time, like five out of 10 years. And maybe we'll win one conference tournament in the first five years. And you know, we might have a losing season here and there, but then we might also have a Sweet 16 run, which would be great. But, like, 
that stuff is probably more likely than what we've seen in the last nine years, just playing the percentages. Six teams have been to the tournament nine years in a row. Four of them are your quote-unquote blue bloods. One's Gonzaga and one's UC. I mean, these are stats that we that have been regurgitated. But, like, so if that was probably going to continue to some extent. Maybe not another nine straight, but, you know, a pretty, a pretty good idea that that was going to be continued. And I just think the concern that some fans have, me included, is, you know, we, we're diehards. We're there all the time. Like, five months out of the year, I'm at every single UC basketball game I can be at. And I like knowing or thinking that nine times out of ten, I'm going to leave the arena happy because they won. And I don't feel that way right now. I don't anticipate the next nine years being anywhere near the last nine years. And we can pick apart, you know, shouldn't have lost to Nevada, you know, didn't make adjustments versus Iowa, only won Sweet 16. And that's it's all fair game. But from a baseline standpoint, when you're replacing someone like this, I don't think it's unfair for fans to say, okay, you chose, for whatever reason, not to be able to come together. Nick's not here anymore. That's not our concern anymore. Our concern is the future of UC basketball. How are we going to continue what we've had and then also exceed it? Because if you weren't willing to meet him on maybe some, some demands, not all, I'm not saying he should get every demand that he wanted, but if you're not willing to come together and make this work, that means you feel like you can bring someone in who will exceed what has what he was doing. And I just find that very hard to believe that that is what we're in for in the, in the near and distant future. Well, and let, let's, let's rewind to um, when this UCLA stuff started coming up. And I was – it actually – started rumbling pretty heavily uh, up in uh, Columbus for the NCAA tournament. And I've touched on this a little bit. A lot of that is just because, you know, when when you're at the NCAA tournament, you know, the national people are dispensed to all the different sites. Um, you get a lot of, you know, a, a pretty wide cross-section of people, you know, gathering uh, in those locations. You end up out at dinner after the game. You bump into this person, you know, you run into to that person uh, watching, you know, one of the other games, whatever the case may be. You end up talking to a lot of people. And my thought process at the time was, you know, I don't think they're going to get to Mick Cronin on their list. And that included the fact that they were going to have to, quote unquote, go after Coach Cal and Tony Bennett and Brad Stevens and Billy Donovan. And you, you were going to have six or seven or eight names that were going to be tossed out there that were never going to UCLA. But when you got down into the real heart of the matter, the list before they got to Mick Cronin was going to be really short. As we found out, at most it was two. And then they got to Mick Cronin. What does that tell you? That tells you that the coaching market in this cycle is not strong. 
And I think that's where, as a fan, as an you know an onlooker, that's where the concern sets in. Is if you know Vanderbilt is hiring Jerry Stackhouse. <coughs> You know, Nate, Nate Oates was snapped up immediately. Uh, Mike Young. Mike Young from Wofford to Virginia Tech. Like, they're just... T.J. Otzelberger. Gets UNLV. Can anyone even tell me who where he coached? I, I know. But I'm cheap. He was on my initial hot board. Yeah. South Dakota State. He had Mike Dom for two years. And who knows? That might be the only reason anybody knows him. Yeah. Um, so, you're, right. Your point is... Is well taken. Like that's the worry. Uh, like, what what are they going to be able to do in this coaching search? And and that's not to say there's a lack of faith in the athletic department. That's to say that realistically, your options are your options. The options aren't great, and and the options right. it, aren't it, great. It could have nothing to do with them, right? But the options are the options. The options weren't great. For UCLA. And they're at the top of the food chain. So the farther down the food chain you get, the the more difficult it is to come up with quality options. <clears throat> so I, I think that's that's a legitimate area for concern. And like you said, there there is faith in Mike Bone. He has made good hires, but he it's just a different landscape. And and the success, you're exactly right. The level of success that you're replacing is very difficult. The level of consistency to replace is very difficult. Is that saying they can't do it? No. That's just saying no, no, it's I'm going to be it. hard to do. I'm just saying the percentages say it's, we're not going to see what we've seen. Like, let's look at it this way. They've had two coaches for the last roughly 30 years. Exactly 30 years for, outside and, of the one John and, Brandon year. Or John Brandon, and for, Andy Kennedy year. And for only, what, five or six of those, they were in the biggie. So the vast majority, they've been in the quote-unquote back in Conference USA days, whatever, mid-major, high mid-major, whatever you want to call it, and the American. How many times have other schools cycled through coaches, whether it's the hot up, they get the hot up-and-coming Conference USA coach who then jumps, or they hire a coach, and three years later, four years later, they're firing him. So 30 years, two coaches, 23 trips to the NCAA tournament. Hugs went 14 years in a row. Mick's gone nine. Mick went nine. We're not going That's to – I have a hard time believing that we would – what? That's 23. Is that yeah, what you said? 23 not, year yeah. trips. 23 trips out of 30 to the tournament. I have a hard time believing, given the current structure of the league that we're in, that we're going to see the same type of coaching stability. Like, the reason Mick was here as long as he was was because he was from here. It was going to take something excellent to pull him away. If we'd have hired Andy Kennedy instead of Mick or Carl Hobbs instead of Mick, and they had some success and certain ACC or big 10 schools would have come close. They probably would have left. So we're now 
basketball is now kind of in the same situation that football is in. Because they're probably not going to hire someone who is going to stay 13 years with, when, they, when they have other options. So you're just opening up yourself to more possibilities of, yes, it could be better, but it could definitely also not be better. It could be worse. You know, like, you just, like I keep saying, you have to play the percentages. For a program like UC, in their current situation when it comes to TV contract, money, league, all those things, What's the, what are the chances that we're going to see something similar for the next nine years than we've seen the previous night? It wasn't about Mick Cronin. It wasn't about me thinking that Mick Cronin is the greatest coach ever and we need to give him whatever we can give him because th- no matter who comes calling, we need to keep him because this basketball program is Mick Cronin. No, that's not it at all. It is, if Mick Cronin leaves, where are we going? Who, are, who is replicating what he's replicated? given what we know about the current landscape of the sport. That's my concern. Not him personally as a coach or a person. You know, it's totally different. I agree. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a rough spot for the, the, the program to be in because there, there's a lot of uncertainty that comes with this. Maybe they, hit, maybe they hit another home run, but then like you oh, said, I mean, yes. Nick was, a, Nick was a fairly unknown when they hired him. I mean, he'd spent three years at Murray, and he was fairly successful, but nothing earth-shattering. He turned out to be a much, much, much better hire than some of the uh, other candidates or finalists if they'd have gone down that road. So, absolutely, they could totally do it. But I just feel like, he had built it to where it was so sustainable. He knew, you know, right or wrong. He knew exactly the type of player he was looking for. He knew exactly the type of player that won games, maybe not games in the tournament, and that's a fair and valid argument. But we were there every year, you know, like clockwork, in a rebuilding year. It's quote-unquote rebuilding year when the season started. And people thought they were a bubble team. And they go 28-7. and seven. I mean, your down years aren't supposed to be 28-win seasons, Chad. No, those are pretty good down years. 28 wins is uh, it's a pretty good down year. So, so uh, whoever is hired does that, I will gladly and thankfully eat all the crowd that is offered to me. Because that means we're winning, and that's really all I care about. I think that's fair. All right, do we t- do we take a look at this list, or, do, or would you like to go from here, my friend? Yeah, let's go. Let's run through, just run through your hop board right from. We'll just go top down. All right, John Brandon. John Brandon. I am biased on this one. So would you would you like me to to talk? You can talk. You I've got some, going, I've only got, going to say nice things. No, I've got I've got some 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 pros and some cons. I mean, I, I put it in. I think right. I think right off the bat, you and I will both agree that we would be absolutely floored if they hired someone that was not a sitting head coach. I would agree with that. Yes. So right off the bat, John Brandon head coach. I think he deserves a lot of credit for what he's done at Northern. I think the thing that has been overlooked about what he's done at Northern is switching leagues to a much more difficult league while still kind of also 
going through that elevation to Division One. I. I mean, that's not that long ago when they made that move. Am I not correct? No, you're correct. The first year they were eligible to go to the NCAA tournament was his first year, and they went to the okay, NCAA so, tournament. Right. So that's impressive. Right off the bat, that's impressive. Number two, impressive thing. Six years, Alabama, you know, as an assistant coach, recruiting, that's vital for where UC is going to be. You know, I, I think that's great. My my question marks are, is he benefiting from local bias? Because if John Brandon had the exact same record, the exact same background, and was the head coach at Florida Gulf Coast instead of Northern Kentucky, would everybody be like, oh, yeah, hire John Brandon. It'll be great. I mean, probably not. But but he's also he is local. He does yes, potentially but the, give but you a guy how much that is that really matter? for a while. Um, I don't know that it overly matters, but I, I think it's it, it's somewhat of a factor. I mean, I don't think it's a major factor, right. but it's someone that's familiar with the region, familiar with the university, has been in this area for a large portion of his life. Um, I don't think he grew up a, a UC fan or any any you know anything no. of that that stretch, but um, I do think. It would be a similar situation in that I think he really likes being around home. He has a great relationship mm-hmm. with his parents. I think he likes having his dad at all of his games. I think he likes having his kids be around the grandparents and the family and all that stuff. So um, I think there is some allure there. Um, this is, one, it would be a shift to a more offensive-minded coach. That has been – would. But the numbers don't back up that it would be necessarily better. But you get better players. Your numbers get better. Like, I I, I get some of that. Um, But he's also managed to put Northern in the top 100 at Ken Palm the last two years. Three, you know. Right. So the numbers are pretty good for for what he's working with. Um, Where I would. I agree with that. But they've also. I don't know if you were going to make this point. They've had some very more than the occasional East Carolina, some very strange losses. Yes. And that's what I was going to get to. Almost all of them have been on the road and it goes back to defense travels and the way you grind out wins on the road is with defense. If you're trying to win on the road with offense, especially in conference play it's very difficult. Because you have nights where the offense is off, and guess what? You get beat. Um, well, just look at UC this year. Yeah. How many games were they in a tie game, were down two or up two with five minutes to go on the road that they figured out a way to win when they weren't playing their best because they just didn't let the other team score? Right. So that that would so, be a concern. Right. I also think, he has, I he, think he's 45. He's got room to grow as a coach. Oh, um, for sure. I, I also think that if you become the coach at Cincinnati, there is an expectation that you better play damn good defense. <laughs> I think, you know, that that's part of it. And, and he's from – a lot of people don't really know the, the full history with John. And he's actually you know, on the, the, the Billy Donovan coaching tree uh, mm-hmm. because he played for Billy Donovan at Marshall. And – Billy Donovan's staff when he was at Marshall consisted of Anthony Grant, 
So then when John's professional career ended, he joined Anthony Grant's staff at VCU, followed him to Alabama, uh, elevated to associate head coach. He was his right-hand man at Alabama for six years, uh, and then ended up as the head coach at NKU uh, over the last three years. So there are pros, and uh, like every like everybody we're going to bring up, there are pros and cons. Oh, I guess I will say, I mean, I I told you as joking that when you I had my barf bag ready for your hot board because I had an idea what was going to be on it and made me want to puke. Um, he is definitely at or near the top of the list. Because, um, yes, everybody's going to have pros and cons. There's not going to be a home run hire. If, you, if there wasn't a home run hire for UCLA, there certainly isn't one for UC. Yeah. So, um, moving on to Thad, Thad Mata. Thad Mata would be my number one option if he was even truly, truly interested if it wasn't for his back and drop foot issues. I know Snow, Brian Snow has come on our board and said that he's healthy, but my concern is, is, is he excited to get back into coaching and then after a full year of the true, true grind is like, man, I just can't do this anymore. I thought I could and I just can't. And then after one year, we're back kind of doing this whole thing all over again. Um, I think that's too big of a risk to take. He, you know, he might tell you, oh, I got three good years. I got five good years. I'm, I feel great. I'm ready to roll. Doctor said I'm, I'm perfect. But you just don't know that. I mean, he had to leave the game, basically. I mean, I know things kind of went south with Ohio State, but I'm sure his health played a major, major part in, in that. And I just don't know if you can take that risk. I think that's fair. I think the thing is, I think UCLA came to that same conclusion because I think they probably would have liked to have hired Thad Mata. He he had coached at a really high level when he was at Ohio State. He had gotten to the Final Four twice. He had been played in the title game. Like I I think that would have been a very smooth hire for them. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, and I think if he was. Of, t- of normal health, of total clean health, he would not be not coaching. Yeah. If he had taken a, a year or two off or whatever it's been, and he literally was totally good to go, he wouldn't even be available. Right. Like, he'd have a job. He's a great basketball coach. He's a great recruiter. He would hire great staff. He's got <laughs> great experience. He's got great credentials. He wouldn't be available. So, there's got to be a reason that he's available. And it's, it's not one that I think that they should be willing to take the risk on. I think that's fair. I, I, I also think if he was available, it would be very difficult for a guy that is coach at Ohio State and Xavier to be the head coach at Cincinnati. Yeah, maybe. I just think if you want to coach, you want to coach. I know. I just think and personally. Good, I think personally. It's a good job and – Personally, that would be a tough spot to put yourself in. You don't think he wants to open up his first coaching job, first game at UC being at Ohio State, and then at Xavier. I think that would be a month later. I think that would be difficult. (laughs) I think personally, personally for him, that would be difficult. I shouldn't say everybody's favorite. It seems like the sentimental favorite right now, Nick Van Exel. He's, as you said on the 
Hot forward, he was an assistant at Texas Southern for one season in 2009-2010, and then has been in various levels of the NBA as an assistant coach and as a G League head coach, I believe, for one year. Yeah, the first one, maybe, three maybe two seasons. His time with Atlanta, I don't believe he was a bench coach. I think he um, was kind of like a, a video guy, like a, a guy just one step below being groomed for an assistant position. Right. And then um, one year with the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, and since then has been with uh, been with the Memphis Grizzlies. This is an absolute no for me, dog. Um, I will say this: like, like I, this is there's a it's a non-starter. You can say your piece, and you're not going to be able to convince me. I'm, I'm not going to try to convince you. I'm just going to say <laughs> when you're in a situation where the candidate pool is not overly deep, and maybe you're looking to do something outside the box. I think he's at wor- at least worth talking to. Oh, that, that talk to sure. That doesn't mean you hire him, right. but you hear what you, you you hear what his vision for the program would be. You hear what his desire to put in the time required to be a college coach. I mean, we we've seen different guys try to come in and make an impact going from the NBA yeah. playing the NBA assistant coaches. Not really. Um, Anybody remember the Clyde Drexler era at Houston? Clyde Drexler also showed up like three minutes before tip off for games. I don't <laughs> think you would have that hey. with Nick Van Exel. Okay. Chris Mullen. Very uh, similar. The, Jerry, that, but, but that's Jerry not, still out on Patrick Ewing. Actually, I think Patrick Ewing's doing a pretty good job. But you know why? You know I the do difference? Too, but I mean. But you know the difference in Patrick Ewing and the, and the other two guys you mentioned. Patrick Ewing is a grinder. He is putting in the work. Right. And he did, and he was an, a legitimate NBA assistant for a long time. Yes. Like, he, he was getting so frustrated getting passed over for NBA head coaching jobs. I think that's why he finally was willing to go to the college route. So, I mean, I throw those names, but it's, it, you know, the track record is not good at all. Um, and I think my biggest concerns are you would need a very well-respected former head coach to be his lead assistant. I'm told that that's not important. It's not. <laughs> oh. Okay. Uh, <laughs> did, did you did you just uh, get that joke? Did that just hit you? Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and then you would need the other two assistants to be pretty damn good recruiters and still also be able to coach. And I'm not sure UC has the budget to hire all those guys. And the question would be, what what would you have to pay Van Exel to take the head coaching job? Well, I'm guessing he's making a pretty good dime right now. I don't know what NBA assistants and, make, really. Well, I don't know what they make, but I know they get a lot more, a lot of perks that they wouldn't be getting as head coaches in college, like free time, like free time, <laughs> like flying on. 
totally gutted and redesigned fancy charter jet on not having, you know, to stay in Holiday Inns in Hartford, Connecticut and Tulsa, Oklahoma. So, I mean, while it seems fun, like, and it's also nothing at all like the Penny Hardaway situation. So I hope people aren't looking at Penny and like, oh, well, Penny came and he hired Mike Miller and a former NBA head coach and, and they had a really good year and they're going to, everybody thinks they're going to be even better. Penny was a dominant force in high school coaching in the state of Tennessee and on the AAU circuit. So he, and he, so he had been building these recruiting connections. Nick is not doing any of those right now doing any of that right now. He walked into Memphis with the number one recruiting class in the conference last year and is bringing the number one recruiting class again this year and then on top of it, one of the best nationally in the in the entire, you know, national recruiting classes. So, you know, he's got a pipeline of kids, whether they're from Memphis or North Mississippi or, or whatever, that he was already tapped into. This would be starting from total scratch along those lines. And while it's, it would be cool to, for me and you to be like, oh, man, we used to have like Van Exel posters and now he's coaching our team. I don't know how much that resonates with with kids that he would be recruiting. Right. It, it generally would resonate with the parents, which is important. Of course. Uh, but I don't know how much weight he has. Like, Penny was Penny. He had his own, sh- like, he, he was famous. Yeah, he had his like, own shoe. He famous. had his own commercial. He had, li- he had Lil Penny. He played with Shaq. Like, he was in Blue Chips. You know, Bush McRae. Shout out. But, yeah, it's, I just, you know, it's it's just not, it's not, a, again, kind of in a different vein than Thad Mata, it's just not a risk I think that's necessary to take. I agree. Like if I said, you can get Nick Van Exel or you can get John Brandon. Like, or, is anyone picking Nick Van Exel? Um, probably like former UC players. That looks at it from like a legitimate <laughs> right. Well, looks at it from a legitimate basketball sense and advancing the program or continuing the success that we've had. Right. So okay. So we've covered Nick Van Exel. So we're we're three three down. Next, Bryce Drew. Tell me on why UC should hire a coach that couldn't win a game in the SEC this year. Um, I mean, he did lose his best player before the conference. Yeah, and he still had another five-star and another four-star. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Young, both <laughs> freshmen. Um, he yeah. shouldn't, he shouldn't have lost every game in the SEC. <laughs> Case closed. No, just, just kidding. And I, and I, I agree. I think he got a raw deal. At Vandy, new AD comes in, fires him, 
instantly hires Jerry Stackhouse, which to me just is just absolutely crazy. He's just going to hire a bunch of his North Carolina buddies as assistants. And who knows how that's going to go. I mean, the guy ran the G League, and then he, so he likes Jerry Stackhouse. So I'm not saying Bryce is like a bad coach. I don't think he's a bad coach, but you lost every game in your league. And I'm supposed to think that you're just going to come in here and we're going to be all right and or better. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 the 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 interesting thing for me is if you go back to his Horizon League days, um, he won the league four out of five times. Mm-hmm. Now maybe the step up to the SEC was too much for him. They did make the tournament his first There's- year. And that wouldn't be out of the ordinary. I'm sure that happened. That's happened to plenty of guys. Yeah. Um, would he be a fit in the American? Where would he fit in between the likes of, you know, the the step below? I, I, you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to hire someone that's as good as Greg Marshall or Kelvin Sampson. That's the thing too. I mean. I bag on the league a lot, but it's not from a, like an actual performance standpoint. Like there are legitimately good players, good teams, and good coaches in this league now. So you're not making the tournament if you're not competitive in your league, and in a league like the AAC, if you're not consistently in the top three or four. So if you don't have a top three or four head coach, why should I believe that you're going to have a top three or four team? Yeah. I mean, that's fair. Like, what we don't know, I mean, we don't know what Temple's going to be like. They're high, they're bringing in a new coach. No. I mean, um, I think Tulane will be much, much better with Ron Hunter. Absolutely. Uh, but Houston's not going anywhere. Wichita got way better in the second half of the season. They're not going anywhere. Memphis is not getting worse. UConn is going to get better. Um, so there's there. I mean, there's four. There's Memphis, UConn, SMU, or Wichita and Houston. There's four. Then you kind of have your SMU, Tulsa. Um, South Florida has a lot of young, promising players. They could take another step. Yeah. So there's another three that are kind of shuffling for that four through seven, four through seven range or five through seven range. And UC's got to find their footing somewhere in there. So, you know, that's just kind of the reality of the situation. When you go from having the dominant team to now it's a big question mark. You know, where are they going to slot in with this hire? And like a guy like Bryce Drew, I'm not, I don't think he's going to slot in in a, in a similar place to where we're used to or, you know, in that top four. Yeah, I mean, it, it, he has shown some recruiting chops. You have to give him credit for that. He, he did land a monster class at Vanderbilt last oh, year. Oh, yeah. Um, How would that translate into what he could do in the American. Um, the thing that concerns me more than this year is last year. He was, what, 12 and 19 last year? 
Yeah, they weren't very good last year either. And then he had the big recruiting class that was supposed to to change things this year. <clears throat> Garland gets hurt, who I was a huge Darius Garland guy. Um, and it wasn't like they were devoid of talent. They were just relying on this, like, recruiting class. I mean, they still had some guys. No, I agree. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure where I come down on Bryce Drew yet. I, I I think given the 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 field, he's certainly a name to keep an eye on. He's only forty four, yeah. So he's coached what? He's been a head coach for eight seasons. Um, his brother has shown to be a good coach. His dad has shown to be a good coach. Like I have a well, hard time they, believing it skipped here's, him. Here's here's my question though: Is Bryce going to have the same access to the bank account that Scott has? fair um <laughs> texas is a different deal though brother <laughs> i can tell you that right yeah. now if you don't oh, have access if you don't have access to the bank account you don't have access to any of the players if you're trying to recruit texas so um, you mean you mean they're not coming to they're not coming to waco just for the heck of it or college station or yeah lubbock um Texas is a tough place to recruit, man. Um, I don't know where I'm at on Drew. Like, I, I I, can see. I mean, I can totally see that maybe this level is his niche. It's his sweet spot, yeah. I could see that. It's just really hard for me to get over. What happened this year? I get it. 21 and 43 in the last two seasons. Right. That's, that's just. It's a tough pill to swallow. It is. No question. Um, because but... it, it just, it, everything falls back to me. Of, if UC was, had fired a coach, you could totally sell me on Bryce Drew. Right. I know. Where, I, I get where you're coming so from you... there. So, next is Porter Moser on your list. Yeah, I, I don't Shine think there's. Total, totally off that guy. 15 yeah. years in the Missouri Valley in that one run. I think he, he didn't jump on his chance last year. I think it's, it's totally, totally off. I, I don't disagree there. This is the – and we don't like we – can, we can bounce through these pretty quick. I think this this is the tier two portion of the list. Um, yeah. He's on there. Although I'm a big – I like Steve Forbes a lot. I'm a big Steve Forbes fan. I got to know Steve Forbes a little bit um, early in my days of doing this. Um, I just like him because he was with Bruce at Tennessee, and we were really good. And if Bruce didn't lie about a stupid barbecue, he'd still be at – well, Bruce would still be at Tennessee, and Steve would probably have a better head coaching job than East Tennessee. Yeah, I, I, I'm a big Steve Forbes guy. I think he can recruit. I think he's got a big personality. Uh, I liked him a lot uh, in, in the times that I've spoken with him over the years. Um. Was he was he Farad's coach at Northwest Florida before? No, he missed him by or was one he year. He already at ETSU. Okay. But yeah, I mean, he, I mean, if we're you know, we're trying to make chicken salad out of you know what, he's someone that I would. I would be, be very interested. I would be very interested in him. Um, if his get name more came information up. on what 
what really happened at Tennessee. Like, I mean, that's the hard you know, part. Obviously, he, he did. He does have that strike on him. But he's been. But he has coached since. Yeah, he went to Wichita State as and, an assistant. Um, so I mean, if 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 he could go to Wichita as an assistant and now East Tennessee, and Bruce can be at Auburn, like. I don't think that should preclude him from getting another chance. No, I don't either. I'm just saying, I mean, that's, that's, that's the hang up. It, it, you know, is, mm-hmm. do you get a, do you get an okay from the board and the, the university president, the people that really call the shots at the top? Right. And, you know. Yeah, we can love it from the basketball sense and we can, and we can say, well, it's not that big a deal, and it's been in the past. But the the board and the president, the people that you know aren't as ingrained in it as we are, they just see, you know, show cause, NCAA issues, and it's an automatic no. Yeah, I I, I would. He's he's on the list as kind of a a, a second tier favorite of mine. I, I really like Steve Forbes, Casey Alexander. I don't know much about. This is one you. Uh, I like him too. This is one you. This was a Dave addition to the list. I don't know much I about mean, him. Fill me in. Anybody that spends as much time with Rick Bird as he did at Belmont is what? okay in my book. Fifteen teams. Fifteen years as an assistant there. Yeah, I mean he was a long time assistant coach at Belmont, and he's been at Lipscomb for. You know, a decent amount of time now. As you said, it kind of took them a little while to get that going. But they definitely, you know, found their niche, found their way this year. And he's kind of, you know, when you look at it, I mean, I know everyone looks at Ken Palm numbers and this and that. You know, I know 2019 is only one year, but he, of all these guys, he by far has the closest thing to what we're used to seeing from an offensive and defensive spectrum. I mean, 50th on the offensive end, 49th on the defensive end is way, way ahead of where all these other candidates were this year. Yeah. Um, I mean, questions would just be the, the jump up in competition the recruiting. I mean, you're you've kind of been on that level for a long time. Yeah. You know, you're now recruiting a totally different player. I mean, maybe we need some of those guys that he's recruited on that level, but you're not going to be successful with a roster full of them. Um. So that would be a big question. I'm sure he's in the running for the Belmont job, but I'm kind of actually surprised that. He hasn't already been named the coach. Uh, Rick Bird announced his retirement over a week ago. Right. So I don't know if maybe he's kind of in the running for maybe some some of these other jobs that might still be open that are that are a step up from Lipscomb. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, <coughs> um, Matt McMahon, Murray State. And I think just the big question with McMahon is how much was Ja Morant and how much was – Matt, that's, that's my that's my question exactly. I don't think he's been there long enough to really know. What he's been there four years and two of them were with Ja. Yeah. So, you know, 
it's not, I don't think it's fair to judge him on the two years without him, but then it's not really fair to say, oh, yeah, he's a great coach when you got the number two probably pick in the draft at a, at a low major to mid-major. Like you better win a bunch of games. Yeah, you got that you got, dude. You got the number two pick in the draft in the in the Ohio Valley Conference. You should win a lot. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of where the list stands at publish. Uh, are there any other? You know, are there any other guys that you thought of that? You know, could maybe be under consideration. Uh, there's another name I'm tracking, but it's I don't I don't think I'm ready to to throw him on the board yet. Um, if that happens, I'll let everybody know and put him on the the message board, put him on the hot board. Um, other than that, I mean, I think that's that's pretty much it for the names I've got as of now. Um. What do you? What is your sense as far as timing goes? I don't think it would be long. I mean, the interesting thing is, and and I I'm, I will definitely commend Mike Bone and his staff for this. They don't do the coaching search thing. Uh, they don't do the the search firm. And I'm a huge fan of that. Well, it's like, good that they're not they're not into wasting money. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a, like that's your job as an athletic director is to hire and fire. Right. Like that's a big part of your job. What do you mean? Like, why do I need to pay 75 grand to, for someone to tell me who I should interview? That's your freaking job. Yeah. Like what I, I get from what I heard, I, I think they consulted um, with a firm during the Luke fickle hire, but they didn't actually like, there wasn't a search firm running the, the, the show. Um, so, from my knowledge, there's not a search firm. Um, you know, they hadn't contacted anybody before today um, th- until things went down. Now, there's always, you know, back channel. You know how that works. Um, mm-hmm. But I would – Fickle happened in, what, 10 days? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of thinking this time next week. It's kind of what I'm th- like this time. Maybe when- I think it'll be. I think it'll be quicker than Sickles hiring. I don't totally disagree. I I, I think early next week to mid next week. I think would be my window. Because I think, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, because Sickle was still at Ohio State, they were still conducting practices and and bowl prep and various things along those lines. Where that's not in. No problem for any candidate at this point. Well, but it was it was like the week right after he was hired, December tenth. So it was that week right after the Big Ten title game? Oh, okay. I mean, they were they were still operating business as usual, but I don't think it was full blast. Right, know, right. Where it got you know where it got where you're thinking of, I think, is after he got hired, he went back and forth, uh, remained coaching yeah, at Ohio true. State. Um, but during the search process, I don't think it was that bad. I would think seven to ten days. Yeah, that would be my guess. Um, I guess then, kind of like the one of the only other things, unless you have other topics, is kind of the whole. You know, there's been a lot of speculation about roster construction. Um, you know, I think you know you can lend more to this probably, but Mick talked to the team today. 
there's been reports that Samari Curtis has said that he pl- still plans on attending UC. I would just caution um, people taking that as gospel. You know, with the, you just never know with the new coach. Yeah, I mean, the, the new coach is going to have to come in and meet with people. And, and, and <laughs> like, I don't know that I can really give an answer on any of that until that stuff happens. Like, I think with, you know, like with Jaron, he's he's got basically the same decision to make. Right. Is he looking to go play professionally? Probably not in the NBA, uh, at least initially, because he's not projected to be a draft pick. Uh, making it, we saw Gary do it. More power to him. It's not impossible, but it's very difficult uh, if you go undrafted to make a roster. Um, so it's just a matter of come back, play your senior year, try to hit 2,000 points, try to win as many games as possible, or do you want to be a professional? Do you want to, to, to make a career of it? And I don't think that – I mean, that decision obviously not having Mick changes some, but I don't think it changes a ton for Jaron. No, I just wonder if, like – you know, do I am I am I just done with school, right. and I'm ready to go start the next chapter of my life? And my coach leaving kind of helped push me that way because I'm not really feeling coming back yeah. and learning a brand new system and dealing with a new coaching staff and all those things. Like, I mean, it, it could also are just, it, could, it could also be they hire an offensive minded system, and he says, sure. "Hey, let's roll." I, I just I don't think. Like, I'm, I don't think with him the, the 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 process changes a whole lot from what he was already. No. I mean, I you know, guys leave when coaches change. Oh, that's the no- – I mean, like, I would fully expect, more, you know, one if not more guys to transfer. I mean, you're, come, you're playing for someone that you didn't come to school to play for. And people can say, well, you choose the school over coach or whatever. No, you don't. You go play for the person that you have a strong relationship with. And if, if that person leaves because they, you know, they brought you here because they believe in you and you know, they have high standards for you and high expectations for you. And now that person's gone and someone new's coming in that doesn't know you at all. You know, you're not, I don't ever begrudge anyone for looking out for their best interest and in going somewhere where, they have a relationship maybe or that they feel is best suited for them. Yeah. Um, that's just, that's just the nature of a coaching change. Like I, I don't think it has anything. There's nothing really, there's no great insight to it. It's a matter of what guys decide that, you know, they want a, a change uh, or the, you know, they're not, they're not in on board with, with whoever the new guy is. Um, I think, you know, I, I think they'll still be a pretty solid roster in place. Now, obviously, depending on what Jaron does, that changes everything from the start. Um, if he stays, then you got a good chance to win a lot of games. If he goes, it's going to be a grind. Uh, but that was going to be the same with Mick here or without Mick here. Right? Right. Samari, I... It's interesting with him because, like, Ohio State's not coming. If he like, let's say he opened. Ohio State's not coming. They they've got a really big recruiting class. Um, right. Xavier's not coming. Indiana maybe, but they didn't. 
they didn't offer the last time and they were interested, uh, I, I think he ends up here. But again, that depends on who they bring in. You know, what are the what are his meetings like with the new coach? What is what do they share in terms of the direction of the program? Um, you know, so I mean, it's it's uncertainty until there's a coach, and then once there's yeah. a coach, yeah. Somebody mentioned this on the board the other day. I think one thing that does help in this situation is this is a pretty tight knit group of guys. Um, I think you could see them rallying around each other. And saying, you know, we'll give the new guy a shot and we're going to stick this out. Um, but even even with that said, you're still, there's going to be a guy or two that, that go. Like that, I don't think that, that changes anything. It happens everywhere. Like, look at, oh, go, yeah. go to any place with an open head coaching job and there is talks of their players being in the transfer portal, some of them. Well, you don't even have to go anywhere of, open head coach's job just kids transfer right all the time regardless i mean it's a anomaly that uc has had such little roster uh upheaval if you will the last several years i mean a quadrumore to sean mormon obviously you're not going to have like 10 straight years where every guy works out every guy's happy every guy plays as much as they hope they play. But, like, it's totally out of the ordinary for what we've had uh, when you look around the rest of the country. Agreed. So, ultimately, I mean, a lot of those guys are just very loyal to make their diehards, and I, I think you're going to see a little bit of movement probably. Um, would I be shocked if everybody stayed? No, because, like I said, I think this is a very, a very tight group. Um, so, I mean, it's just going to be something we're going to have to track and follow. I, I don't think there's an easy answer for it. I don't think there's, there's anything right. that's cut and dry. I don't, you know, I don't think it's, it's automatic. Like this guy's gone, this guy's staying, this guy's gone. I think the situation is going to depend, um, on what happens. So it's just something we're going to have to have to continue to flesh out continue to to check on and see where things are yep it's definitely uh you know i don't even know what network or system or whatever we were on and in, in the last time there was a basketball hot board you know 13 years were, were we, we even a thing no well I'm trying to remember I, I know i wasn't i didn't come on until december of mick's first year and I, I think Todd started it right around when Mick came on. So I don't think we've ever done a basketball coaching search uh, through all the years. So it's pretty wild, man. That is pretty wild. I mean, when you I, think about it, I mean, how, how many schools have had have not had a search in 14 years? Right. It's pretty nuts. Here we are. It's definitely a, definitely a new era. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be bad. I know I probably painted a pretty doomsday picture, but well, it it's like I it's like I, it, I explained to somebody else, uh, and I, I was joking about us doing this podcast tonight, and I said, "Oh, Dave's Dave's on one." 
I said, why? Like, what's the, I said, he's a fan. And it's, this is an emotional time for fans. Whatever side of the, the aisle you're on, whatever your stance is, whatever you're dug in on, tough on everybody. And it's emotional and it's hard. And, you know, people don't like the unknown. Some people like the unknown. Some people don't like the unknown. Um, so, you know, this is where we are. This is what we're what we're going to endure for the next week, 10 days, two weeks, somewhere along those lines. And it'll get settled. And we'll have a press conference with the new coach. And, you know, I, I wish Mick well out in L.A. I had a great relationship with Mick. Um, it wasn't always easy. It, it took a couple years before that west side wall came down. Um, so I, I wish him well. Some won't. I, I do. He was always good to me. He was always good to Bearcat Journal, Bearcat Layer. Um, and it's tough to see him go for me, but. That's the business we're in, man. Oh, yeah. I, I, I've explained that to many people in that athletic department. Most of them are now gone. But the reality is, I was here when you got here, and I'll be here when you leave. And that's just the nature of the beast. It's a very transient lifestyle um, for a lot of people. Fortunate for me, this is home. Job I love. And uh, on to the next. You've been doing this a long time as a UC fan. It's on to the next, man. Yeah, I mean, that's never going to change. It's just, I mean, you get used to, you know, you get used to certain things. And, you know, I, for me, you get used to walking into an arena and feeling pretty damn good that you're going to walk out of there happy. Or, you know, especially like this year. People would get so just nervous about, oh, we how do we do this? And I'm just like, man, I'm enjoying the hell out of this because I just had, I just knew that more times than not, we were going to figure it out. And I was right. More times than not, we figured it out and it wasn't necessarily pretty and it was frustrating at times, but the bottom line was, you know, the guy won a lot of basketball games and, you know, he should be celebrated for that. I think more than he, will be or more than he is maybe one day he will be um but yeah it just it leaves open the possibility of of a multitude of things and kind of like i said earlier if if the blue bloods and the and the big big time programs can miss and have a lull then we're certainly not you know immune to it and it's just it's you know kind of scary I don't want to not make the tournament regardless of how successful or unsuccessful we've been. Like you can't get to the sweet 16 if you're not in the tournament. Yep. We're about to find out. (laughs) Yeah, buddy. (laughs) We're about to find out. It is what it is. All right, man. We went long on this one as, uh, as expected, but you know, there was a lot to talk about. A lot to, uh, a lot to work through. And uh, I'll be all well, over definitely it. Definitely, everybody, stay with Bearcat Journal. Chad will be all over. We got the spring game coming up on Saturday. I'm sure there'll be a crap ton of awesome recruits there. And you know, everybody come out to Nipper Stadium for that. Should be a, should be a great day for the football program. Tons of excitement 
around that and you know take advantage of our of our sale right now one dollar to get all the inside scoop on the coaching search and what's going on with the football program with the four commit and three big big uglies on the offensive line i think uh i think plenty more to come i think this recruiting cycle will be pretty exciting uh for the bearcats this year Ooh, i think i think i think we could make a trade with la Magic Johnson, Magic, Magic John- Johnson, Magic, Magic just stepped down as the uh, GM or president yeah. of basketball operations with the Lakers. What's he gonna do for us? That point? No, he's head coach. I'm gonna add him to the hot board. <laughs> he wasn't that good at that either. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's gonna wrap it up, man. Thanks a lot, Dave. You were very passionate today. Yeah, a lot of good takes. Um, and it, thank you. Like I said, it's, 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 always, it's always a pleasure. It's into the unknown. And, uh, that's, right. where, that's where we go from here. So I'll see everybody on the message board. I got a feeling I'll be spending and a be lot nice, of time be there. Be nice to each other. Yeah. Be quick calling each other names. Don't be, don't be assholes. Be nice to each other. Come on. Make it easy on me. I got enough going on right now. We all care about you, see? Like, there's no reason to yell and scream at each other on through your keyboard. Exactly. Except for when I scream at Dave. But usually that's just over the phone. I, I probably deserved it. Most of the time, yeah. At least we know Mick won't be getting the Virginia Tech job now. The Inquirer can, can rest easy. And I, I ate my burrito while we were doing the podcast, so I'm not hangry anymore. There you go. Now I'm going to have a beer. Or five yeah Yeah, whatever wake me up at noon tomorrow this is (laughs) we're just getting started the fun's just getting started he's dave simone i'm chad brendel we'll see you next time it's the bcj podcast on bearcatjournal.com